Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. I am your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alin. And on today's show, we have the latest entry in the Star Wars saga on Disney Plus, Obi-Wan. We have season three of, I think, one of the better things that Netflix is doing right now, The Umbrella Academy. <laughs> and the movie that I didn't want to see, and Alin basically mm-hmm. dragged me by the ankle, mm-hmm. but it ended up being amazing, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Woo-hoo! So, yeah, I know. It did end up being way better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I mean, that's the highest compliment you can give me when we go see a movie that you don't want to see. Because the mere fact that I got you to go to a movie you didn't want to see, amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. I and it was more, more it was also because like my mom also wanted to go and I was like okay so all of these people want to go I don't want to be the like Debbie Downer in the room let's just do it you know so and it ended up just being like way better than I thought it was going to be so mm-hmm. well we'll get there um yeah. so how are you doing Lynn good you know I was thinking when we're, we're you were going over the top of the list like technically was it Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm but why oh, is it? Is it his full yeah, it's, name? T- t- yeah, it's his full name. But like, why? I like Obi Wan like, better. Can, can I just... like Obi? I like <laughs> I like it better too. And it's not like you're gonna get confused. Like, oh, are you talking? Which Obi Wan are we talking about here? You know, like, yeah, it's not Obi- like there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there's like so many Obi Wan Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, that Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, that's you're just right. yeah, it's just a. A ridiculous I'll make thing. sure I change it for the timestamps no but it, it, it's because I did the same thing and then I remember seeing the title card and being like why does it have to be Kenobi like yeah we wouldn't know otherwise what yeah. it is yeah I know right you needed that you really did yeah yeah these are these are the things that I have like deep thoughts about hey like, they're good huh. deep thoughts I like yeah them. thank you before you. we get going, I want to bring something up. Um, it's kind of a correction, but not really. It's more of like an acknowledgement. Hmm. So um, when we did our last show, one of the um, topics that we talked about was the benefit or detriment of making sequels 10, 20, 30 years after the original movie came out, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a little discussion about it, which I thought was nice. And then I actually got an email from one of my students who listens to our podcast. She's the best student. Hi, Mayhem. Yes, she's wonderful. Um, my favorite student for sure. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we just lost all the other students right, exactly. who listen. Hey, hey, if you want to be my favorite students, you have to listen to the podcast and also email me about them because right. that's the bar that has been set. You know, I'm just saying like the rest <laughs> of them, like, I'm not even going to try anymore. Did you hear? She gave out favorites. Uh-huh. Hey, everybody knows that teachers have favorites. This is no secret. It's like parents. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she sent us this email and she had a really good point that I wanted to bring up. So she said that if you were making a sequel and it was 10, 20, 30 years after the original, you have to keep in mind that the people who are watching that sequel are now 10, 20, and 30 years older. And if you tailor the sequel to that age group, at the age they are currently, you're going to have a lot more success, which is why she thinks Top Gun did well is because it actually like took Tom Cruise being older into account and brought in a new generation, you know, children of people in the original and things like that. And basically said, okay, yeah, a new generation can watch this, but the old generation can also like age along with this gracefully. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
But she said it makes much less sense if you made a kid's movie, like, say, Toy Story or The Incredibles, and then 10, 20 years later, you make another kid's movie. Because those people who watched the original are not kids anymore. And what you actually have to hope and and expect is that those kids now have kids of their own, and they're going to say, okay... Let's watch this original Incredibles movie so that we can go see this 20 year later sequel. And I think you're going to have a lot less success. And I liked that point. So I wanted to bring that up because I think that she is had a really a, good point. That is a good point. And I think especially with Top Gun, it helps that Tom Cruise, he has kind of evolved into an action star. Like when he did Top Gun back in 1986, he was not an action star. Right. He was kind of like. You he was know, just like did, the sexy guy. Yeah, he did Risky Business and he did Cocktail. But as he's gotten older, we all know him as like doing all of his own stunts in Mission Impossible and just right. kind of like raising that. So it's like believable that he would still be in like a, in the Navy and being a pilot. Right, right. So, I mean, it all like in, you know, for every Top Gun, there's you know, Jurassic World Dominion, which we'll discuss. <laughs> I mean, so it's like we're we're really on a nostalgia train yeah. right now. And mm-hmm. there are some crashes and there are some that are just, you know, you didn't know you needed it. And there it is. And your life is better your or your day is better because of it. Right. But um, yeah, it's like when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's very bad. Yeah, exactly. The nostalgia <laughs> train crashes. Yes, it's like, yeah. oof. All right. All right. So um, it is it is the summer. And uh, there's a lot of like press conferences that happen over the summer. And they used to be, I think, a lot bigger deal than maybe they are, you know, since COVID. Maybe it'll come back. Who knows? But we got things like video game press conferences and and Comic-Con kind of stuff, TV and movie stuff, you know, studios will do press conferences about different things. So as part of our um, three little threes today, uh, we wanted to go over two press conferences that that happened um, fairly recently. One of them was um, the Summer Gaming Showcase, and then one of them was Geeked Week, which is Netflix's press conference. So I'm going to start with the summer gaming and then maybe you can jump in and join me with uh, Geek Week. But um, (laughs) the summer gaming press conferences are actually something that I kind of look forward to every year. Um, Now more than usual because of Game Pass. (laughs) Because the past couple of years, I think I've told you this story, but the past couple of years, um, Xbox, Microsoft, Bethesda, you know, everybody that they've bought out, basically, um, they do this this uh these press conferences and what they basically do is they show trailers for upcoming games and one thing that i thought was very interesting this year is xbox focused on only games that are going to be released in the next 12 months they didn't want to like hype you up for something that's three years down the pipeline let's face it we might all be dead but they wanted they wanted to be (laughs) like everything that we show you you will be able to play within the next year and i love that because one big complaint we have about games is if you're making a big game, the development cycle of something like that can be 20 years, you know? So don't get me hyped up for something that's coming out in 2042, you know, like just stop. So I like this, this style. And so what they do for their press conference is, and they've done this for a couple of years now, is they'll show the trailer or talk about the game. And then there'll be like a a screen that will come up 
and it will say coming to Game Pass or it won't, you know, and oh. every trailer that comes out, m- my husband and I will sit there and we'll be like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and then it will pop up and it will say coming to Game Pass. And we're like, yes. <laughs> and so we get to see all the stuff we're going to get over the next 12 months. It's like weird gambling for gamers. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> um, but they've got a lot of good stuff coming through um, the pipeline. I know I was showing you things that you may or may not have any interest in at all. Like, I didn't I show you the trailer with uh, all of the rats? Yes. Yes, that was the Plague Tale. Um, and then I believe I showed you Starfield because that was their big reveal, right? And I wanted you right. to be like you know, on top of the most up-to-date and exciting gaming news in case anyone asks you about it. Um, But that was a really fun um, showcase for us. And I I know a lot of people have complaints about Starfield, but let's face it, people have complaints about everything. Yeah, it's true. You can't, like, you're not, like, allowed to have fun or enjoyment anymore. But Mm -hmm. I I actually think Starfield looks really fun. And if it were coming out tomorrow, I would definitely be playing it. But it's coming to Game Pass, so I won't have to buy it. And that's super exciting. So, um, you know, because these games now are like 60 bucks a piece, you know, maybe 70. Um, But then the other two things that happened for Summer Game Fest that um, I really enjoyed was there is a showcase called Day of the Devs. And then there's another one called Wholesome Direct. And these two focus on indie games, indie developers, sometimes studios of just one and two people um, or like a husband and wife team or something. And I like to support these kinds of things because not only is it not this giant studio that's, you know, working their employees to the bone and whatever. I mean, that has its pros and cons, but sometimes it's nice just to get something kind of weird and out there that was made by two people with a dream, you know, and there's something kind of lovely about that, that that can still happen. And so I think I showed you a few games from Day of the Devs and Wholesome Direct, um, there was a, a trend of bears this year, which was like really bears. super exciting, right? They, I think I showed you Bear and Breakfast. And then there was another game called Lumbear Jack. And then there was a third game called The Little Bear Chef. And I was like, oh my God, so many bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're interested in indie games, you can find articles about Wholesome Direct and Day of the Devs, and um, lots of really cool stuff coming out that are just kind of all over the place. Um, there was one game that's about being a fly. and Oh, yeah, you told yeah, me about this. You're, you, the amount of time that you live as being a fly is dependent upon the lifespan of the average lifespan of people in the country you live. So we do worse as flies here in the United States than some oh, other yeah, countries. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> And it's just like over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, no longer the greatest country in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, got some yeah. problems. Got yeah. some problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I really enjoyed uh, all of these bear games. Um, there was another game that's called A Little to the Left that I also, it's a puzzle game, but there's a puzzle game set inside this house that has a cat. And every once in a while, the cat will come up and just swipe at your puzzle and mess it all up. And I'm like, oh, I live with this. You're like, (laughs) I don't know if I want to play a game that I live. (laughs) (laughs) Is it supposed to be funny? Yes, it is supposed to be funny. Well, I mean, it could be one of those things that what you're really doing is teaching your cats new, new tricks to... He already knows this trick. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, the one game that I I saw that I thought was really cool, but I don't know if I could play just because it like, gave me a little bit of motion sickness, was that Hot Wheels racing oh, one. Yeah. It was really cool looking. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I thought that was such a cool idea to put like real cars like Porsches and stuff on a Hot Wheels track and do loops and crazy corkscrews yeah. and everything. And it just looks so neat. Um, and that's going to be a free update on Game Pass as well, from what I've heard. So, oh, just, wow. Yeah, pretty. I mean, hey, if you want to come visit me, we can always try it. You know, we'll I sit would, I would play very it. far from the cap from the TV. We'll move. Yeah, the that's, way that's back. the whole thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> like move it way, way back, a mm-hmm. little further. Yep. Feeling queasy. Let's go a bit more. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Anyway, I know this happened a while back, um, but I did want to make sure to bring it up. In case you missed it, I would definitely recommend checking out the highlights from Day of the Dev and Wholesome Direct. You can watch the entire press conference on YouTube as well. And they are pretty adorable. They introduce you to the devs. And a lot of them are like, hi, it's me and my husband so-and-so. And and we made this game called blank, you know. And I, I, I don't think that business really works this way anymore so it's nice that at least one industry still supports you know one person potentially finding success without I don't know taking out a one million dollar small business loan you know what I mean (laughs) so I like that about it um and if I run across any games that I think you can play without motion sickness Mm -hmm. I will I'll be sure to let you know it was just really really cool looking but I was just like yeah like yeah, watching yeah. it with my eyes I'm like I would have to get very used to this there is one that I, I kind of want to try I don't know if um I can remote play it with you or not but I could probably like stream it for you through discord um but there's a game coming to game pass that's basically like an escape room a virtual escape room and you can play it with multiple people and you try to escape the room together oh. I think that would be something that we might enjoy because I don't know if you guys know this, but when I went to visit Alin, we did like 19 escape rooms. <laughs> and beat them all. Yes. I've been yeah. asked not to come back. You know? <laughs> yeah, like I know, I, right? I have to, I live here, you know, and it's like, ooh, don't it's let her It's just an embarrassment, in. you know, it's yeah. an embarrassment to the escape people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we could try that one. Um, I think it's called Escape Academy. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, All right. So moving on to the Netflix Geeked Week. Um, So Netflix did this. This happened in early June. They did like a week of stuff. And I'm more focused on their first kind of two days, maybe three days. Um, So basically what it was was Monday was an update on series. Tuesday was an update on films. Wednesday was animation. Thursday they did a whole day on Stranger Things, which I think was not really Mm. necessary um Mm -mm. yeah i'm not really sure about that and then friday they did stuff about netflix gaming do you Um, play any netflix games i'm very familiar with cuphead i think that um you should actually watch some cuphead videos because i think you would be fascinated watching other people play cuphead um i cannot play cuphead (laughs) what what is it literally a cup that's a head it's um you know like I'm going to probably mess this decade up, but if you okay. go earlier than Looney Tunes animation, go way back to like, not fa- as far back as Steamboat Willie, but okay. somewhere between Steamboat Willie and Bugs Bunny, you have like a a genre of animation. I don't know if that would be like the 30s or 40s. 
20s? I don't know. I'm going to. I'll accept it. (laughs) In a galaxy long ago. Yes. When animation had a very specific look to it. You know what? Google it right now. Google Cuphead and just look at some of the images. And you're going to see exactly what I mean by the style of animation. And it's a game made in that animation style. Oh. It's beautiful. And it's so creative, but very difficult. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is... Oh, okay. The (laughs) the devil's involved? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's basically known for having these big, elaborate boss fights um, that are really creative and different... Uh, I I know people swear by this, and I've watched people play it on Twitch, and it's beautiful to watch. But I watch them play it, and I'm like, yeah, you just died 16 times in the last minute. There's no hope for me. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, uh, among many of the reasons that I shouldn't have children, because I was like, yeah, this looks like a fine game for you to play. And I'm like reading <laughs> about it, and it's like, oh, no. Yeah, no. You're- you're, you're, you know, content-wise, it's probably fine, but your child might throw a few controllers against the wall trying to, <laughs> trying to win. Well, because it's like it's a run-and-gun shooter. Yes, but they're actually game. like, they make little finger guns with their fingers and shoot like little pellets oh, out of them. So it's not, okay. yeah, it's not violent at all. It's um very cartoony. Very cartoony. Okay. Yeah. I can but, see, yeah, I don't know what I would call that. I know exactly, like, looking at it, it's like, oh, yeah, that genre. That genre of animation, exactly. That's what we're going to call it. That yeah, that one. Genre, that one, yeah. But I'm kind of right, though. Like, post-Steamboat Willie, pre-Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's got, like, it's almost got a little bit of Mickey Mouse yeah. to it with the shoes and... Yes, yes, like, like anti-Disney kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Netflix has a Cuphead animation, like a cartoon that they do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I know sometimes it pops up. Mm-hmm. Netflix will be like, there are games on Netflix. I've never played them. Honestly, so. I haven't either. I think okay. some of them are phone games, too. Oh, okay. And I think some of them, like, they do shows based on their games as well. So, I don't know. This is an area where I feel like I should know stuff, but I don't. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> That's me with a lot of things in life. It's like, mm, I should know more about that. But, but I, I don't. don't. <laughs> but I don't. Yep. And I don't care to. Yep. So so I sent you the list of um, series and films and animation and stuff that they they're, that are coming out, you know, that they were hyping at this. Was there any standouts for you? Well, a, a lot of them I knew were mm-hmm. coming back. In, in some capacity. Um, I didn't know that All of Us Are Dead was coming back. Mm. So that's that's exciting to me. Um, also, you must be excited about Warrior Nun. Oh, that, heck yeah. Was, yeah A lot of say. these things had trailers, too. So you can actually watch the Warrior Nun trailer um, and the Sandman trailer. Which looks really good. I um, did watch that one. I yeah. did watch that one. Looks good. Uh, so does the Resident Evil. Weirdly, I I will probably watch that with you. I yeah. have a lot of very strong feelings about Resident Evil, but I'm. It's one of those things that they could quite easily ruin. But then Resident Evil has also ruins itself many times. So and yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of cannibalized itself. Yeah. Like, so you know, whatever. There's I was a, disappointed ahead. with Sweet Tooth. A why? Because they didn't really say. They're just oh, like, there was it's nothing. coming back. Yeah, yeah it's like, okay. yeah, we knew that. 
Yeah, no, I we, agree. They need more. I'm not kid's going to be like 21 by the, t- the time. Exactly. And we're, you know, on our next show, we'll talk about Stranger Things, but it's like, yeah, you those, can't, they, they would look like they're 30. Yeah. I mean, some Minimum. of them almost are. Nancy is 28 now. Yeah. yeah. Some of them look like they should be the parents of the high schoolers. I agree. We'll but, have to yeah. call, uh, we'll have to call Sweet Tooth, Sweet Fang. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the only thing I'm worried about because that kid was adorable. I know. He's going to hit puberty and it's all going to go out the window. Yeah, it's going to be like, oh. Like, because I remember um, when you told me to look at the, like, the graphic novel illustration. He's going to end up looking like that at some point. Oh, like, I know. Because they waited so long. <laughs> that one was not cute. No. And so that's why I was just kind of like, oh, cool. But when? Because we knew yeah. that a while yeah. ago. So I was a little disappointed with that. Um, I was actually surprised about Lock and Key because I, I know you haven't gotten into that. I wouldn't recommend I tried and it. I couldn't get into it. I saw like yeah. the first three or four and I was just like, hmm. And that's, and that's been each season. It's like, eh. Yeah. Like, it's not great. And it was actually one of the rare graphic novels that I did read and really enjoyed. So I was very disappointed. A few other standouts here. Um, I don't know if you watched Fate, the Wink Saga, but I actually enjoyed that more than I thought I was going to. I remember you said that. Yeah. yeah I'm happy that's coming back. And then um, I read The Midnight Club. Did you ever read that? No. What, what, what's that one about? Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but it had a very R.L. Stein feel to it. It was about a group of kids who are living in this like home for people with terminal illnesses. And they basically make this pact and they're like the first one of us that dies should come back and try to haunt the rest of us, like come back and make contact. Oh. And it goes from there. Um, yeah, it was an interesting book. It is a young adult scary fiction novel um, that I remember reading probably in middle school, but... But they're making a movie, no, a series out of that. I mean, I'll probably end up watching it because I yeah. do like I do like shows like that. The other thing that's getting that literally just came out and it's getting really good reviews is the Sea Beast that just came out today, actually. Oh yeah, because I was looking at the movies because some of these have well, only I see one that's come out, uh, Spiderhead, which I heard was not good, with, right, with Chris Hemsworth. So um, we'll definitely watch The Gray Man. I don't know if oh, it'll be good, yeah, but definitely. we'll totally watch it. No, I will absolutely watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we should watch the Sea Beast too. Now, what's the Sea Beast? It's an animated movie about this guy and this young girl who basically go to try. It's like got an old man in the sea vibe, but the old man in the sea actually has a young girl kind of co-pilot with him going to slay the Sea Beast. Oh, yeah. It's getting really good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it has Carl Urban in it. I love him. He's one of the voices. So, all right, sold. Already sold. I know. He's such a jerk, and I love him so much. I know. It's like, yeah. (laughs) We'll do the boys next time. (laughs) I know. Yeah, something about him. I agree. Um, And then the other standout for me was The Dragon Prince. Have you watched this? Mm Mm-mm. Did you ever watch... um, the Avatar, The Last Airbender? I, I did. I did. It, this is their new series. Oh. And it's really good. It's really good. It, it definitely has a little bit of a wind-up. Takes you about three, four episodes to kind of get going. And then once it's going, 
Alin, the most adorable little dragons that you will ever freaking see Aww. in your life. Oh, yeah. This has been out for a while. It's been out yeah. since 2018. Yeah. Sorry, so. this it fell through the cracks. Yeah, it's good. And I'm really happy that I think this is going to be their last season. Um, but it, it ended on quite the cliffhanger that previous season. So I'm probably going to have to rewatch it. But I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, because it looks like it all came out in 2019, which was like it's showing the second season was in February and the third season came out in November of 2019. So that's like so many lifetimes ago. It it feels like it. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But you can definitely tell it's got the um, the animation style that you're used to. Mm hmm. Yep. And very good storytelling. I, I would highly recommend it. Maybe wait till the next season comes out and then just kind of go through it all at once. Cause it's, That's a, what I'm thinking. it's a very linear story and I'm definitely going to have to rewatch it, but yeah, cool. Um, any final thoughts there? No, I mean, excited about, I mean, we're going to talk about umbrella Academy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to 100% say that this justifies you raising prices every three weeks because it does not. No. And every time I see that on my statement, I'm like, oh. I know. Me too. Like, it just hurts because all of the other ones are so much less. Yep. 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 So, uh, so anyway, this <laughs> will lead us into our next segment. You have your own sound effect now. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I wish I didn't. You know, I wish this, this sound effect is for our very popular series, A Lynn Reviews Bad Movies. <laughs> and this this one hurts. Yeah, a I lot. know. This one's personal. This yeah. for you was your multiverse of madness for me. Yeah. Um, For anyone who knows me, it's a surprise. It's like one of my weird quirks. I'm really into dinosaurs. Yes. I'm very much into dinosaurs. I have seen the original Jurassic Park. I watch it every couple months. So I don't even want to add up how long it's been. Mm. And I was so excited to see Jurassic World Dominion. It was bringing back, you're bringing back Laura Dern, Mm -hmm. Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum. They've all been in different iterations of the Jurassic Park series, but they haven't been together since 1993. So I was so was excited. When the first one came out? Yes. That, oh my God. Yes. Oh my so, God. So like at 12 years old, I knew what I liked and I haven't changed. Good for you. Yeah. Love it. You are, if anything, consistent. Exactly. Um, some may say stubborn. I don't know. Yeah. But so I know that you didn't see, so this is the, the sixth, Jurassic Park entry. Yes, this is, and I saw one, two, and four. Right. So this is the this is the alleged final entry in the Jurassic World series, which started back I think in 2014 with Jurassic just Jurassic World, which mm-hmm. showed what it would have been like had the park opened. Spoiler: the dinosaurs still got out. Um, <laughs> So, so uh, I'm just going to recap Fallen Kingdom to you because when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Oh, um, I'm going to love this. Okay. Lay it on me. 
Fallen Kingdom, uh-huh. you have they're trying to save dinosaurs from there's going to be a volcano that's going to erupt on the island. And this is so, the island where the park originally was. Yes. Okay. So, they're so they've going, just been running free on this island. Oh, yeah. They've been hanging out on that island. And what about the flappy ones? Did they get off? Don't don't ask those types okay, of questions. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Just <laughs> no, don't, okay. don't, moving on. Moving on. Yeah, don't, don't try to inject any sort of rationality into this series. But okay. um, so we're gonna go save some because why? Reasons? Money? What's happening? Well, that's the thing. Like some people um, politicized it. Oh God. Should we let them die? Because uh-huh. that's what you know nature intended. Or are we responsible because we brought oh, them like, back? Oh, like like your cat. Yeah, yeah. So, in any event that, you know, things happen, bad people want the dinosaurs so they can do bad things. Like, you know, use them as assassins. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so there's like a whole like underground black market. Double uh, O Rex. Yeah, exactly. And it's taking place at this mansion, which was owned and still lives in uh, John Hammond's business partner that is mentioned in passing in okay. the Jurassic Park series. Long story short, he lives there with his other uh, guy lives there with his granddaughter who turns out to be a clone of his daughter who died in an accident. Don't question it. She's a clone. Moving um, on. Yep. So, in any event, what ends up happening is all of the dinosaurs that are at this mansion that are for sale end up getting released into the world. Who who does that? People. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There's okay. really like there's okay. really no yeah. Um, okay. But in any event, she's a clone, and she's going to be raised by Chris Pratt's character Owen Grady and Claire whatever her name is, uh, played by <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard. And we're going to have to learn to coexist with the dinosaurs. That's what it looked like was okay. going to happen. So you're like, oh, wow. And even if you watch a trailer, it showed like the T-Rex at the drive-in movie theater. Like, right. oh, no, how do we live with dinosaurs? Right. Hard stop on that. We're not <laughs> even going to look. We're not going to talk about that at all. Um, you asked, how did the, the flappy ones go? Well, I don't know, because there's like a like a 10 minute news segment at the beginning that shows how all of the dinosaurs, even the ones who can't fly, have gone all over the world, which doesn't make any sense. Don't question how a T-Rex was able to cross an ocean. OK, oh boy. I don't know. He just walked. And um, so you're he like, put like a little reed in his mouth that yeah. come, came up out of the water. So he's little floaties on his arms. Yeah. He's paddling. Yeah. Across. So it makes no sense how all the dinosaurs are, are everywhere now. But this company has decided that they're going to offer a sanctuary to the dinosaurs. And you immediately know that this is not a good idea because Campbell Scott plays this character, Dogson. And I don't know if you remember him because I am the, like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. So back in the 1993 um, <laughs> movie, there's okay. a short scene okay. where I'm going to call him Newman from Seinfeld. Okay. 
gets the Barbasol can that he's going to bring the DNA over in. Yeah. That's Lewis Dodson. Okay. So you have to remember that. Okay. <laughs> but in any event, uh, he's played by Campbell Scott. He's like full on creepy Steve Jobs, megalomaniac. He owns a GMO company. Oh, boy. And he's just very twitchy. It's like, oh, God. And you're just like, how is this guy going to die? Which dinosaur is going to eat him? Because that's just how things go. But the the main villain in the movie, I can't even say this with this, like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, <laughs> okay, I, like, I'm trying, the locus. image is going through my head right now, locus. are just, <laughs> genetically modified locusts are the villains. Wait, G- GMO locusts? Yes. yes. So, so who who made the locusts? So Campbell Scott's character, Lewis Dodson, made them so that they would wipe out crops that didn't use his company's seed. So he's Monsanto. Yes. <laughs> okay. With okay. locusts. So it's a literal it, ten plagues of Egypt kind of thing going and, on here. And um, that's how they get the old crew back together. They get you know Ellie Sadler. To fight locusts? Yeah. They're going to fight locusts together, and it just so happens that Jeff... Please tell me. Tell me that Chris Pratt punches a locust. No. Okay. All right. Well, that would have been amazing. No. he. So that's like one half of the movie. Oh, okay. There's more. Okay. Yeah. So Sam Neill, Neill, uh, they all, the, the, the original Jurassic Park 3 travel to the island that is a dinosaur sanctuary. So is another island or the same island? It's well it's an, another island. It's okay. in like Italy. I don't know. I okay. I stopped paying attention when they had like the 15th title card saying where we were. I was like I can't follow this. I don't have a map in front of me. Um <laughs> but of course Jeff Goldblum's character works there, Ian Malcolm as the spiritual guide to the company. So is he knows, actual, like, is that what it says on your business card? Yeah, Spiritual guy. Yeah, he was like there to help them understand the implications of what they're doing, but they're gonna stop the locusts. Now, on the other side, you have Chris Pratt's character. They're raising that clone. That clone's uh-huh. becoming a teenager. Uh huh. Teenagers don't listen. She's okay. the most valuable clone that exists because her DNA has the ability to unlock something, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She oh, gets God. kidnapped. What? She gets kidnapped. She's by kidnapped. the locusts? No, by oh, some okay. evil people who want to use her DNA for nefarious purposes. Did they ever explain what those nefarious purposes were? I mean, I feel like they glossed over it, <laughs> but it was like, I don't care at this point because uh-huh. they steal it, steal her, and they also steal, remember Blue? The raptor yeah. blue. Yeah. They steal Blue's baby. Okay. And Blue is so upset. But Chris Pratt looks in her eyes and says, I will get your baby back. And oh then God. Blue's like, cool. Let me know when you have. Oh. <laughs> like, it was just like, what is going on? It was like taken, but with raptors. And then there's under 
underground black markets where people are selling dinosaurs and then there are raptors that are used like as weapons because you can point a laser at them and they'll kill that person it's ridiculous blah 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 everyone unites at that at that one island where all the dinosaurs are and campbell scott's evil and which dinosaur eats him the dilophosaurus remember oh. the one with spits but oh. instead of having one dilophosaurus there's three. Oh no yeah so he goes out the same way nedry did Exactly. Yeah. Poetic justice or something, something metaphor. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, you know, the dinosaurs, there were not enough dinosaurs, not enough cool sequences with the dinosaurs. Locusts are not cool. No kid has ever been like, I love locusts. Why isn't there a movie about them? Yeah. No, I said that yesterday, but I mean, I'm, you know, different. Yeah. No, it's like, (laughs) you're like, I need my locust movie it just it wasted the wow. talents of the, the three people coming back mm-hmm. it is it was i felt like they had to do it like they're like okay we have to make a sixth movie so let's do that and just you know just deal with it we don't need a story they were making it up as it goes hmm it was wow. so bad. It was yeah, I'm going so... I'm gonna skip this one, I think, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't even like when it comes out on like Redbox or any other streaming service, I don't even think it's good enough to even just watch it even if it's for free. Ouch. Yeah. And I was really, really hoping it was going to be better. This was the one, you know. This was the one. Yeah, because I mean like I'm not saying these are the greatest movies ever, but if you go back and you watch the 1993 one, it still looks good. That was one of the greatest movies ever in my mind. Yeah. And then, like, I liked, uh, I, I liked the Jurassic World one because it's like, oh, this is this is Hammond's dream implemented. Mm-hmm. And then every other iteration has just been really bad. Um, this hmm. was the this was absolutely the worst. One and that's saying something for some of the movies. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, just don't, just don't. It's All gonna right. rip your heart out. It's gonna stomp on it, and yep. then you know maybe a T Rex will eat it. I don't know. Some I just locusts want... will crawl on it. And it was just like one of those things when I was leaving the theater. Like a woman was like, "That was the best movie ever," and I was like, "Did we just watch the same movie?" Yeah, I felt that way when I walked out of Multiverse of Madness. There were like people, like there was like two or three people that clapped at the end of that. And I was like, you stop it right now. What is the matter with you? Oh, and I'm just like, I just wanted to leave. Like, I just wanted to leave and like go get ice cream. Just do something to try to make that night better. Cry in a drink. Yeah, exactly. But Mm. I know that took a little, that took a while. Sorry, people. All right. Well, it's all right. It needed to happen. I don't think my therapist will let me talk about dinosaurs for a half hour. <laughs> so <laughs> there it, is. it needed to happen somewhere else. Exactly. This is my outlet. Hey, you let me talk about my my outlet was the last one when yeah. I went off on the Scarlet Witch thing. So this and was I, yours. And I will tell you, like, in discussing, because uh, the Multiverse of Madness is now available on Disney+. Plus, So a mm-hmm. lot of people have been watching it. 
And in having like additional discussions with people, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Oh yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. I can see why. Mm. So it's kind of like, I've won you over a little, huh? It's like degraded yeah. a little bit. Like, I'm just like, oh, huh? No, yeah. that's, yeah. No. Oh, okay. But was it you who sent me the pitch meeting thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That summed it up quite well. Yeah, I yeah. I saw that and thought of you, but yeah. Uh good old YouTube. Um <laughs> all right. Well, our big three is actually pretty decent. So let's let's move into that so we can talk about some stuff that's pretty good here. All right. Um it's it's rare that we don't have like a complainer in the big three. Like I've got some minor gripes, but this is a pretty good big three, <laughs> all things considered. So um it's our best big three ever. Well, Maybe. I don't so probable to date, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. If you combine them all, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't even know that. I haven't written yeah. down what we've yeah. done over. Yeah, I can I'm scroll through. I can scroll through some of the old ones and see if anything jumps out at me. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, starting with Obi Wan Kenobi, not Obi Wan Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on. That's on Peacock. Don't forget that. <laughs> It's the only show they got. Um, uh, So, okay. So this was the show that nobody asked for, that nobody wanted. And then afterwards, everybody was like, maybe I did kind of want that. Like, I think that's kind of how this one went. Um, Everybody was a little hesitant um, going into this. You know, are you going to ruin the canon? Are you going to mess with the timeline? You know, all this stuff. And got to say, they really didn't. It, it actually flowed really well. Um, now, I know that you have not seen the prequels. Was that? That is correct. I have only watched the six-minute recap of each <laughs> featured at the beginning of the Obi-Wan. Yes. I, got, I, I will say that I asked many people, do I watch it? Do I not watch it? And it was very divided, even after all of these years later. Really? I think I told you you don't you don't have to. Was that? Yes. You told me you don't have to. And then Chris told me they're not horrible. That's high praise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're not horrible, but don't feel like you have to. He's like, if you like need something on in the background. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. I think I told you to watch the there is a, some genius person on the Internet that spliced together the entire fight scene between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul and um, put it together into one one scene. So you could watch it without other scenes of the movie kind of in between. And I, I think I told you to watch that because yeah, that's and, probably the best lightsaber stuff that happens. And- I was going to say, also, we're going to do spoilers here, so I'll allow you to pause it. But, I mean, I figured it out when Liam Neeson came back. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the positives of this. Um, First of all, the little girl who plays young Leia. Oh, my freaking God. She's so cute. She's so cute. And she's so good. She's precocious. Yeah, she's adorable. And she does a really good job in this. And it just kind of makes me mad that Carrie Fisher wasn't alive to see it because I think she would have just died. Like, well, that's oh, wrong. She, I don't, shouldn't say that. She would have been, like, so happy that this little she girl was her. You know she would have talked to that little girl. Oh, yeah. and She, she would have been, been, like, 
all about it. Like, oh, she would have yeah. loved her to death. Because um, she was great. Let me get the girl's name here. I've got it. It's uh, Vivian Lyra Blair. She was great. Yeah, she was really, really great. Yeah. Yeah, she was fantastic. She held the, the entire show together. She was the heart of it. Yeah, she was. Um, And... The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting was actually where they filled some gaps in in the timeline, because it is kind of weird that the movies that we're most familiar, the Star Wars movies we're most familiar with, was the old Help Me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, You're My Only Hope. Right. And you never knew how Leia knew Obi-Wan. Yeah, you just and, took it for granted. Yeah. And here it is. Here's the story of how Leia knew Obi-Wan and why she would say, you're my only hope. And now it makes total sense. So that actually, like, fills some stuff in. And then the other thing that I saw, this is major spoilers, guys. I'm just fair warning. Three, yeah, two, mean- one. <laughs> so um, the other thing that that a lot of people really praised here was in the Star Wars movies that we are familiar with, the older Obi-Wan tells Luke, Darth Vader killed your father, right? Mm-hmm. When we knew from the prequels that Obi-Wan killed Anakin, <laughs> or so we thought, or so he thought, right? At the end of this show, when they have their final fight scene, Anakin looks right at Obi-Wan and says, you didn't kill Anakin, I did, to become Darth Vader, basically. Right, right. And it was so well done that it actually, like, justified the timeline and the canon rather than messed with it in any major shape or form. I was just going to say, I googled Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. I, I googled the cast. And it has Obi-Wan Kenobi, 2002, one season, space opera. Okay. Space opera. Yeah, it is in within the space opera genre, I guess, according to Google. I like that as a genre. Space, a space opera. opera. What else I fits mean, in that genre? I don't I will Google space opera. <laughs> See what um, comes up. <laughs> Firefly? Mm-hmm. Oh, space opera definition. Mm-hmm. A novel movie or television program set in outer space typically of a simplistic and melodramatic nature that sounds like a kind of that's like a yeah that's (laughs) wow maybe i shouldn't have looked it up it's like a backhanded slap yeah exactly it's like no it's just a space opera yeah like a soap opera but a space opera (laughs) yeah exactly that's not cool yeah all right, I take it all back. Stupid yeah, never, m- never mind, never mm-hmm. mind. So here is here is the performances for me were mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I was glad. I like I said, I didn't see the prequels, but I know that <laughs> Hayden Christensen was the whipping boy for the prequels. And he, I don't think he really deserves it to be honest because he didn't have a lot to work with. In, in the way that this was written, I mean, it was it was it was not his fault. Let's just go with that. It was not. But his I, fault. I think a lot of people wanted to blame him. Yeah, because no, you can't I, you can't blame Jar Jar Binks because he's not real. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know who you should have blamed, but we won't go yeah, there. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people were, you know, they 
And at the time, he was, what, like 19 years old? He really hadn't acted in a lot. I mean, even critics made fun of Natalie Portman's performance, and she's an Oscar winner. So She, did, she didn't have a lot to work with either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's the whole thing. But he got, he with Obi-Wan Kenobi, he received his redemption. I think everyone, because it was really him under the suit, which I didn't understand. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you got it in places where they kind of like knocked piece of the suit off or like, you know, revealed right. his like, but for the rest of it, it, it didn't really have to be him. He just kind of wanted to do it. It's like Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. It could be anybody under there. Yeah. I don't know. They're just walking around. He could dub the voiceover, but Hayden Christensen made it very clear that it was him. He was like practicing the walk. He wanted everything to be authentic, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. The only like, so some of my gripes about it was it felt like it had no stakes. Yeah. You already knew everybody yeah. was pretty much going to either live or die. Like you, you knew that from the beginning, who was going to make it. I think this is a great series. And once all of these come out for someone who's never seen the star Wars trilogy to before to watch it in order with oh, like yeah. these as fillers. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Like you could, you could watch the prequels and then mm-hmm. watch this and then watch the, four, five, and six, and and you can skip the other three entirely that you can just stop there. <laughs> right, exactly. So, like, it fills in a lot of a lot of stuff, and I think it's good for, like, people who are introducing their kids mm-hmm. to it because it wasn't particularly scary because even – I don't know about you, but when they were trying – when Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers was trying to kidnap Princess Leia, it was, like, <laughs> the funniest kidnap sequence I've ever seen because yeah. – it's like, oh, she's a small child. You should be able to catch her quite quickly. Plus, everybody um, just goes, oh, it's Flea. Like, yeah. And I was like, I, I it was for me, I was like, I would be afraid if I saw Flea just standing around. He's this scary looking dude. If it's Anthony <laughs> Kiedis, that's another thing. But I was like, oh, no, it's never good when you see Flea. You know, <laughs> something bad's going to happen. But I did. And like I said, I never saw the prequels. But I also liked how everyone from the prequels came back to reprise their roles. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, I don't know if they were contractually bound. Like, I don't once, think you so. enter, once you enter into a Star Wars contract, yeah, I don't think so. Because I feel like they made a big deal about saying that the reason why Ewan McGregor came back was because it was well done. Like, he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't well written. So and like the lightsaber battles were really cool. Yeah, they were, that was cool. And then I felt like, and this could be me just thinking it, like, and I think you t- we we had this discussion that he, Darth Vader was far far more powerful in the television series than he's ever been in any of the movies. Yeah, that was a little bit he, weird. Yeah, then you said, but he doesn't need to fight his own battles because then he's got like an army. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's this true. This was personal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They didn't have the ability to really do those effects in that time. But he also was more of like a, a figurehead in the movies, uh, four, five, and six. And he did have an army and he did have multiple Death Stars. So, you know. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it at the time, I'm not sure. I'm sure people know when they're going to scream. I don't know how old Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were supposed to be, but a significant amount of time passes 
between now and and then. So just add that time onto Anakin. Right. That's another X number of years he's living in that suit. Could so take a dr- like a toll on you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like that's yeah. a that's a lot to walk around in. Plus, we saw that like Obi Wan kind of became disconnected from the force when he didn't use it for 10 years. So it's possible that Darth Vader didn't use the force much after the show and became a little bit more disconnected because he was focused on other things like the military and the Death Star. Right. So, so yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All things considered, the only gripe that I had was I really wanted um, the third sister, um, Reva, I think her name yes. was. Yeah. I really wanted her story to go somewhere more significant. And I almost feel like it would have been better if she had been, ki- sounds awful, be been killed and just, you know, had it been that betrayal. But she gets up at the end and then she goes after Luke. And I didn't understand that motivation. No. She redeems herself at the end. but And it almost felt like they wrote that in so she could redeem herself, but she could have easily redeemed herself before then and helped Obi-Wan instead of going after Luke. I just, I didn't really get that. And it it kind of upset me because so many people had complaints about her that were really unfounded, like stupid, racist, bigot complaints that were just dumb. I wanted her character to be better and be more so that I could come back and say, no, she was awesome from start to finish. All your complaints are unjustified. But the character did falter for me. And that just upset me because I just really wanted that to go somewhere, you know? Yeah, I felt like with that, number one, I was like, oh, no one dies from getting stabbed in the gut with a lightsaber. Yeah, she got stabbed twice. Was she just like all scar tissue? I'm just wondering, Do you remember Death Becomes Her, that movie with Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep? Vaguely. Remember how Goldie Hawn dies so many times that she just has a hole in the middle of her (laughs) and she's still able to walk around? That's what I'm picturing with Reva. Like, there's just a huge gaping charred hole from all of the times she's been stabbed. So, I remember, like, in... um... Who's my lady from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I really like? Ming-Na Wen? Who's that? Yes. Like, yeah. she had all of these robot parts in her stomach. Right? From That's, Yes. I think she got shot, though, not stabbed with a lightsaber. But um, I thought maybe it might have been something like that, but they never actually showed it, so I couldn't. I couldn't confirm, you know. But like everyone also knew she was stabbed because they kept going for that part of her body. Like, yeah. Mm. yeah. So I didn't like I didn't like that. And then, like you said, the motivation for going after Luke didn't. didn't sense. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and just like the even the way they set it up, where you have Jimmy Smith's character, Admiral Organa, like I haven't heard from you in a while, but here's all the information we would have discussed. Right. Like, just in case. Spoke, yeah, just in case. I'm going to leave this really long message and it's going to be really detailed about like all of the secrets we've been keeping. Yep. Um, yeah, so, that was bad. Yeah, I was just like, wait a second. So it's like, okay, so she can't get Leia. So she's just going to try to get Luke, like just switch out random people. And if she was going to kidnap them, like Luke would have been the easier one to kidnap. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> But I thought the whole goal in kidnapping the kid was to get to Obi-Wan in the first place. And if Obi-Wan was already there, there was no reason to kidnap the child. You could just go straight after Obi-Wan. 
Like the the actor who's playing like little Luke, he must his parents must have been so excited. It's like, oh, he's not gonna have any lines, and he's mostly gonna just be carried around yeah. for the show. Yeah. But he's still little Luke Skywalker. Yep. It's like, okay. Great, thanks. Hmm. But all things considered, um, I did enjoy it. I I enjoyed the the story and the gaps that it filled in. And you like you said, the acting was good. The lightsaber stuff was great. And I do think it is a worthy watch for sure. Yes. You can and here's the other thing. It's like so it's so much better than the the book of Boba Fett. Oh God, please. Yeah. So like that's what I that's what I'm concerned with. And we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. There's just such a saturation of mm-hmm. Star yeah. Wars and Marvel mm-hmm. that you have to try to keep up with it to the extent where it's like am I really enjoying watching this or am I watching it because I have to yeah I'm this far in yeah and after watching the book of Boba Fett slash Mandalorian season 2.5 um that's how I was feeling and this sort of renewed I'm like, okay, so there's not necessarily something new that they're going to tell, but they're going to help fill in gaps that are going to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I see your point. But I mean, like I said, like it was enjoyable for to sure. watch, like, mm-hmm. which, you know, it wasn't, you know, adding anything to the canon it wasn't subtracting anything it was like a good in between like you know when you read a book a book series and sometimes the author will do like a little short story in between yeah because it's taking them a long time to come up with the next book that's what I felt like this was it's like enjoyable I know the characters it was something that was fun I didn't feel like it was a chore to watch which sometimes I do with some of these shows, like, oh, I got to watch this. It's not that good. But, yeah. no, I would definitely, I would recommend watching it. Okay. Yeah, me yeah. too. For sure. And if you are going to introduce any children to the the Star Wars canon, I would throw this in after the prequels. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I'm jealous of people who get to experience it for the first time because it's going to yep. be a linear story for them. Yep. Yeah. And that that'll actually be really worthwhile. All right, so shall we move on to the Umbrella Academy? Or the Sparrow Academy? Yeah, I know. Pick your pick your school. I know. This I was I was kind of like I didn't I didn't know how I was gonna feel about this this season. Um when you know you got to the end of last season and they they introduce a whole new set of kids and I was like, Oh god, what is what is happening? There's just a lot of people here all of a sudden. It um, is it's already a big cast mm-hmm. to begin with. Yep. Um, but I, I feel like they they handled it pretty well. Um, they made everyone visually uh, different to the point where they were very easy to tell everyone apart and who every person was. And then they also killed a lot of people off. And that really helped. <laughs> no, it did. It was like uh, after once again, spoilers. Uh, so after the, the first episode where they killed off like their number one in the Sparrow Academy. I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. And then they killed off like another three. Yep. An episode later. I was like, oh, yep. this helps. Yeah. This helps me figure it out. Yeah. Um. So the, the basic premise here was when the Umbrella Academy was back in time for season two, one of the biggest mistakes that they made was going to visit their future father. 
And he got left with such a bad impression of these people (laughs) that when the events came around where he decided to adopt the children and form the Umbrella Academy, he actually made a conscious decision to adopt different children (laughs) (laughs) because he was so put off by the children he had originally adopted. He was was not impressed. He was like, ooh, okay, I'm going to get it. I get a do-over. So, mm-hmm. which was very, it was funny to see them, the our Umbrella Academy interact with their father, especially oh, yeah. Klaus. I just, I just love Klaus. I just I, want I do, him yeah. to be my best friend. I love Klaus and I, I freaking love Five. I don't know why, but that kid, <laughs> he's just... He reminds me of the students I teach. He's oh, man. <laughs> oh, I love that kid. Um, and I feel like a lot of the a lot of the characters just got really good development this season. Um, you know, Vanya became um Victor, Victor and Luther got married and um Klaus kind of came to terms with losing his mother. Uh Diego thought he had a son and he got back together with Lila. Like there was a lot of <laughs> it's just so, like everything about it. It was just so ridiculous. Yeah. But ridiculous in a good way, really enjoyable way. Yeah. Right. Um, There was only one like really major complaint I had about the whole season. And it was actually a complaint that I saw a lot of people had um, was Allison's character. And um, so Allison, they don't know what to do with her. Yeah. So Allison's character basically took a huge fall during this season, presumably because she when she went back in time, she got married. And when she came back forward in time, she lost her husband. Right. And, you know, Vanya slash Victor also lost her girlfriend Um, or his girlfriend. Sorry. Um, And when they came forward in time. Allison's saving grace was she was going to go back to see her daughter. But because the timeline had changed, her daughter didn't exist. So now she had lost her daughter and her husband, and she pretty much felt lost and alone. And her character kind of tumbled off a cliff after that. And I, for you know, I understand that if you're trying to do like you're having the fall and you're going to redeem yourself at the end arc like I get that as an arc it's tropey and you know it doesn't always work and I don't think it worked this time either but I get that as an arc but what really bothered me was there were a lot of like competing motivations in this season characters going back and forth between Umbrella and Sparrow um you know Luther's motivations were torn between his family and then the woman he ends up marrying who was in the Sparrow Academy and then Victor's motivations were torn between his family and then Sissy's son, Harlan, who's now a grown man, you know, so so Victor wanted to go protect Harlan because of his love for Sissy. So those motivations basically made Allison feel betrayed by her own family. You're picking other people over me. Now, her response to that was violence. Mm -hmm. And she was violent with both Victor and my biggest problem. She sexually assaulted Luther. Yeah, I had a, I had a real, like, so killing Harlan, I got, I understood. I'm glad they didn't show it. No, same here, but like, I understand the motivation behind it. Yes, because it, Harlan had killed people. Right. 
that was important to them. So, right. okay, right. It's not, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, but she's already an angry, violent character. I understand why her character would do that. Right. And I think the the other, you know, there there were also different uh, considerations because the Sparrow Academy wanted Harlan. The and Umbrella what were they going to do with him? You know, right. They were going to kill him anyway. And the Umbrella Academy just wanted to go home. And I think that in her mind, if she killed Harlan, it solved a problem. They could get their suitcase and travel back in time. Right. That was her so, major motivation was to reset the timeline again so she right. could get her daughter back. But the Luther situation, it, it ugh, like it, did, it, it didn't work. It was bad. No, no. Like I, re- she really lost me. Yeah, with I that agree. one. It was gross, and mm-hmm. and I couldn't look at her the same after that. And I read that a lot of other people felt the same way. Um, so that that was the one major complaint that I had was that. Um. But yeah, I mean, if you can get past or beyond that, like, there's a lot of really fun action sequences in this one. I and and a lot of amazing dance sequences. Dude, the Footloose one was so oh, it's good. Oh, so good. And I saw a, a video of you know how they were practicing it, and oh, yeah? it showed um, the actor who plays Luther. He practiced it with his giant gorilla suit on so he could learn the moves. <laughs> I mean, that guy is big without the gorilla suit. Exactly. And, you know, it was also during COVID, so they're all wearing masks as they're doing it. And it was just, they're just so cute together, like all of them. Yeah, this is a very good-looking cast. It's like one of the best-looking casts on TV. And they all like each other, too. That's crazy. So, and it's like, there's a lot, and I'm sure... It being the third season and the fact that they were filming during COVID. Yeah, you kind of bond. and bonded anyway. And I think this was the first time that I've seen Elliot Page since he's using his new pronouns. Um, So, and I just thought the show handled it so well. Yeah, because they, they made a big deal out of it without making a big deal out of it, which was so, like... The best one was when Diego said, do you feel loved? And he said, yes. And Diego said, good, because you are. And then they just moved on. And it was like, that was so brilliant. It really was. So, I mean, I I could appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to think. I did have a complaint. now. Oh, here's my complaint. That's what it was. Here it was. I don't remember things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't remember things. So in the final, once again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. When it's it's revealed at the end that there's like a blonde woman standing next to mm-hmm. Reginald Hargraves. Yep. I was like, who is that? And then I had to wife. Google yeah, his wife, who was introduced in a split second three years ago, three seasons ago. Because she was preserved on the moon. And that's why Luther was there guarding her. So, but like, I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. Who is that? I'm like, I mean, they're setting it up for Har- uh, Reginald to be the um, big bad in a final season showdown in some crazy dystopian cyberpunk future where he's basically Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk combined. Yes. And also, big surprise, Elon Musk <laughs> 
isn't buying Twitter. I could have called that when he said he was going to buy Twitter. Um, but no, I mean, yeah. So that's and he that's has nine it, children. In case you didn't know, yeah, a couple more yeah, have come out. A couple more have come out. Like, you know, here's what I don't get. Like, why don't we just like, you know, without getting too political, um, why don't we require vasectomies for certain people? And I'm looking at you, Elon Musk. That's enough. That's enough. I would like to regulate your body. Um, as long as he's feeding them all an appropriate salary, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, he kind of seems like he wouldn't be, you know. Yeah, what no, I, mean? I, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. But yeah, all things but considered, no. I thought this was a pretty awesome season. It got a little like wackadoodle at the end there with the we have to restart the universe kind of thing. But I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go with it. Fight the yeah. cockroach samurais. I love it. Let's do it. Like, I yeah. was like, let's do it. You so it was fun. Sus- yeah, you have to suspend belief a little bit. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> just a little. Uh, but just, you know, it was, I had fun watching it. Oh, it was, can we talk about the end? Like the end, end, end? Yeah, I think we can. T- we, we're telling people spoilers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Here's some more. So, yeah. um, so here's my thoughts. Because I want to set these up in case I'm right later and then I can play the oh, sound. Oh, okay. We haven't been able to hear. play the sound for a while. So. Ah, yes. So, a couple of scenes at the end. End, end, end. Um, did you notice that, like, everybody lost their powers, right? Everybody seemed mm-hmm. to be kind of reset. Except when Allison went back to her house, she was still injured. She still had all of her wounds and everything from the fight with the cockroach oh. samurais. So I think she still has all of her powers and it's the everybody else who lost them to the machine. Do you think that was part of the deal? I don't like know that- if it was part of the deal intentionally on Allison's part, because I don't think she knew that it was going to take their powers away, but I think Hargreaves knew and he saved it, her from it. Mm. I mean, and technically, in the grand scheme of all of their powers, I would not want, I mean, Allison's is okay, but it's more like a parlor trick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, I wouldn't she want she, hers either. I yeah. want fives. I like that one. <laughs> I like, I like five. And like the whole, and this cast is so well uh, constructed that even when you put five and Layla together, they're hilarious. And yeah, you put Layla are. and Diego together and they're just, they have, they, they're so good together. Yeah, they are. It, and even with the kid, the kid who's supposed to be Diego's kid, that was funny. There was who a lot of it. Klaus. I mean, yeah. my God, this kid. It was just like, oh my God. He's like, I killed Uncle Klaus. I thought you'd be mad at me. Um, but then the second thing I wanted to talk about was there was a post-credit scene that showed Ben, right? Yes. In the subway, which looked like it was in maybe Korea or somewhere far away. It looked like, it looked like the subway from the first scene of the so what the my season? thought what my thought is is there are now two bends there's jerk face ben but then the one you saw on the subway was nice ben oh so i think there's two bends now because i had no idea like i i, yeah. I read there I was, was like, a what post- is this scene like why do they show ben being all happy reading a book on the subway and then i was like wait a minute maybe that's the other ben yeah, he was, was the of, happy one. I'm like, I don't know enough about the the graphic novel. No, I've never read like, any of them. Yeah, so. to be like, I. But it said there was a post credit scene, so it was like one of those things. I shut shut everything off, and then I was like, oh, let me put it back on. 
yeah. watch it. And I was like, okay, I don't know what any of that means, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're putting it down here first. Yep, I think I think everybody's lost their powers except Allison, and there are now two Bens. Those are my predictions. All Got right. it? Everybody writing it Got down? It. Okay. Write it down. Okay, good. All right. Any final thoughts? No, no. I just, uh, you know, it's hard when you come into another season. It's been a while since mm-hmm. the second season, but it was still enjoyable to watch. It was different, but yet familiar yeah. enough that there's you still feel like they're treading new ground and they, they haven't gotten stale because basically, you know, it, number one, it's difficult to bring a graphic novel to life. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's these people are and I say these people, the actors are have really fleshed out who these people are because it could be very easy to play them all as one note. Like, True. here's their power. Here's what they do. But, like, they've really imbued them with the backstory. And even though, like, you know, that's why we felt so betrayed by Allison, because we're invested yeah. in her and we were rooting for her. That's a and, good you, point. You know, so the fact of the matter is she is the only one of them who didn't have a better life back in the other timeline because she was a black woman living in the South. Yep. So, you know, that's what I mean. Like, it just could be something where it's very, like, superficial. But I feel like the writers, the actors, everything have just made it so you're so invested in everyone and you want to see them succeed. So, Well said. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. I can say good things sometimes. Yeah. No, that's good. I liked it. Um, All right. Let's go to uh, your little pet project here, Top Gun (laughs) Maverick. Feel Um, the need. The mm -hmm. need for speed. I, I want to ask you, because I thought about this now, when we when we saw it, this was my first watch, but it was your second watch. Yes. And um, sometimes things take on more clarity when you see them for a second time. Um, one thing I thought was that the sort of like first hour-ish of the movie was enjoyable, but a little slow. Mm-hmm. Upon a second watch, did you find that to go slow for you or were you OK with it? Because that was the one kind of complaint I had. It was it, you know what? It didn't drag for me. It was still fun. And I like it's like, OK, we're going to go through like I understand why each part of the movie, like why the movie was constructed. Mm hmm. The way that it was and why they made the choices. I mean, they probably could have cut a couple of like the the training scenes mm-hmm. at the academy. It's like we get it. He's the best pilot that there ever was. No one, no one can beat Maverick. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I did notice because I was like, oh, layers. Uh, when they went in the bar and the uh, hangman played Slow Ride, I got it because. You know, Goose's son, Rooster, he rides slow. Yeah. Like, because when they played it, I was like, cool. It's a good song. But now I got it, like, the second time around. So, layers, Easter eggs. You you know, you just don't know what you're watching until. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I still don't understand how Ed Harris wasn't knocked over with the, like, the force of a plane taking off 
you know, yeah. the G force, but yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Because movie. <laughs> yeah, because movie. I mean, it had enough of the elements of the first film. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like your student pointed out, it added to it. It was it was a natural progression mm-hmm. of what would have happened if Maverick had continued his Mavericky ways. He wasn't going to rise in the the ranks of the Navy. He was always going to be a pilot. He was always going to be, you know, rubbing superior officers the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense that he's that he's there. And it makes sense that he was kind of almost, I hate to say this, like nothing more than a test pilot when, the right. movies, you know, he, he didn't really have any status, you know, because of the only person who stood up for him was Iceman. I have two additional questions. Yes. One, I hope I don't forget them as I'm going along. <laughs> did we ever find out? Because I kind of think this is clever if we didn't. But did we ever find out what country they were bombing? Was that ever expressly said? It was never expressly said. But the I think internet, that's smart, actually. The did, or did the internet on figure? It. Okay, what the was it? The internet believes it's Iran. Okay, because I, I actually thought that was pretty smart to imply... You know, here's our enemy. Here's what they're doing. Um, we're not going to say the name because then in any generation during any war, during any conflict, this could become that country kind of a thing. It's true. And the other thing is, let's face it, it's Hollywood. They want to make money. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't want to paint a country as the enemy because they want to make money in that country. Although that being said, there was a same sex kiss in that Lightyear movie. And Disney didn't take it out, and it got banned in, like, 14 countries. Hmm. I yeah. see. Okay. Well, yeah, I know a lot of people got were upset about the Eternals. Yep. Same sex kiss. Yep. Also a weird sex scene, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm more disturbed about the sex scene than... Yeah, it was... It was it's, like, it's like, that's not comfortable on a roll. No. <laughs> like, that's what I was thinking. You guys don't know what you're doing, and it's very obvious. Okay, yeah, it's so... Like, Gonna be some bruising later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but maybe not because no. they're eternals. It's <laughs> true. It's true. It just heals automatically. Okay. okay but, so possibly okay. Iran. All right. Possibly the, the internet dissected it. So yes. yes. Okay. That, I mean, they do that for everything. Second question: How messed up is Val Kilmer in real life? Very messed up. Um, he, he's. It, it seemed like a miracle that he was in this movie. He has. He has throat cancer. Oh boy, he cannot speak. That was um, his voice was dubbed. Oh really? Yes, yes. His his son sounds just like him, so his son read the lines, and they dubbed it over his voice because he really cannot speak. Wow. He he hasn't been in movies, and I I can't even tell you. Um, He's just not well. So it was really, it was a nice surprise yeah. to see him there and to see him there with Tom Cruise. And despite his, you know, his health issues, I mean, they both look fabulous at 60. Um, Dude, I can't believe that Tom Cruise is 60. I know. Dude. I know. What? What? It's, he doesn't look like he's 60. There's, I mean, he's got to be like 
freebasing unicorn blood or something, right? There's oh, he's something, doing something. Like something the Church weird. of Scientology is doing something to keep him young. Maybe that mummy movie was like not fiction. It was like a biopic. Well, the funny thing was, so my my friend Sharon is very much interested in Scientology, just from a you know academic standpoint. She does, oh she's just trying to understand it. So when I told okay. her I saw it, Top Gun Maverick the first time, she was like, "Alin, don't support Scientology." And this I was is like, one of our questions to ponder. You're, yeah, you're, and I was like, you're, br- "You're bridging the gap here." Yeah, and I'm just like, "But it was so good." And then when I told her I saw it the second time, she's like, why don't you just join the church at this point? I was like, but it was so good. You know, that seems like a kind of logical fallacy. I'm going to toss that one back out to my students. I know which logical fallacy it is. We'll see if any of them can get it. And that's going to become her favorite. Guys, email her. Hit her up. Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely a big old leap there. I mean, but this is like the first time in a very, I mean, I'm taking away all the Mission Impossible movies. It's the first time in a long time where I really enjoyed a Tom Cruise movie. I kind of got to agree with you there because I'm not really a Tom Cruise fan. I find him fairly arrogant on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, This wasn't really any different, uh, but still enjoyable for some reason. Not, I'm not sure. Something, something was going right about this movie. Because it shouldn't have worked. You're absolutely right. On on paper, this was a mess. Mm-hmm. They they had one star who's too sick to even move. The the original female star has like aged not gracefully, gained a bunch of weight, and said basically screw you, I'm not coming back. So they yeah. had to change the female lead randomly into a different person and invent a backstory for that. Mm-hmm. They had to find a whole bunch of like kids and make us care about them. They, ha- you know, like they had to invent a problem that you would still need people flying jets for in this day and age, which we don't really, we have drones no. now, yeah, you know, we don't we, do we, that. yeah, we don't do a lot of that anymore. Um, it, yeah. On paper, this should not have worked. And it was one of those movies that was supposed to come out in 2020. And oh, so kept, you're just assuming that it got shelved yeah. and yeah. And it was like there was I remember reading an article because allegedly this was filmed three years ago. Wow. So I kept like I read an article that like people were like, did they really make it? Because nobody has seen it yet. And it's been three years. <laughs> like, you know, it was just like <laughs> and they kept pushing it back. It's like, oh, due to COVID, due to COVID, due to COVID. And then it was supposed to come out in 2021 at the end of it and they pushed it back again and everyone's like what is going on because movies are open now and people are going to see spider-man so they would absolutely go see top gun so it was kind of like they had all of this like this uh cloud of not great news surrounding it where you're kind of like oh okay hmm but i mean it yeah. just it worked it, it clicked yeah it yeah the whole last hour was phenomenal like that when they go on that mission from start to finish of the movie it was just mm-hmm. nail bitey white knuckle crazy um it was great yeah and just like how far they've come and what they can do for the action sequences right of of it i mean that the 
the flying was amazing. And those are really the people. Those are the actors. That was the deal. They had to shoot their own in-flight scenes. So, you know, that was great. You, One of the funniest movie parts of the movie is when Tom Cruise jumps down from the window of the woman that he's dating so he wouldn't see the teenage daughter. But, oh, he accidentally does. And it's just funny. Like, you know, it mm-hmm. was just like one of those things where no one took themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it worked. But at the same time, it did have some serious kind of stuff in it about... Um, there was a, a very serious theme of valuing life. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the air force seemed to suggest that these kids didn't need to make it out of this mission as long as the mission itself succeeded. And Maverick didn't accept that he, as part of his training, he needed to teach them how to get back alive. It was very important to him that they not be considered expendable. And I thought that was a very serious and important theme, you know, about, the expendability of, of young soldiers, you know? Um, so there was some seriousness to it. No. And I think, and this is, so Tom Cruise is not known for his acting ability. Um, (laughs) and you know, good for him for becoming this amazing international superstar. But I would say that it's some of Tom Cruise's best acting. Um, I would have to agree with you there. Mm -hmm. The scene with Val Kilmer was great. The, the interaction with Jennifer Conley as mm-hmm. his love interest. I think a lot of the times in these types of films, the the girlfriend's kind of expendable. And mm-hmm. it's like, you don't really feel like there's a connection between them, but they just had really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good. I liked all the, th- like the callbacks to the, the original one. I'm sure one. you caught more of them than I did, but. Well, like you know he's wearing the aviators that he wore mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. then because you know and he's wearing the the bomber jacket they used uh, a lot of the same music i noticed that yes yeah a lot of the same music he was riding the same motorcycle that he was back then oh, but I didn't it's catch like, that one <laughs> but it wasn't like so if you didn't catch it it wasn't a big deal right it that's true it didn't impact it right it was just kind of like a wink and a nod and I think with some of the other movies that we see, if you don't remember something from like 20 years ago, they don't explain it. Cough, on cough, screen. Jurassic Park, yeah, cough, cough. Exactly. <laughs> like it, 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 in another part of Jurassic Park, the character of Dodson held up the Barbasol can. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, And it's like, wait, but how did he get that? Because it was like on an island. And it was covered in mud, but he found it. But how? But it was charred a little bit, so you knew it was ruined. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, no, no, this is ridiculous. But it's like, yeah, you get, you, you, it wasn't necessary. There wasn't anything in, you know, Top Gun Maverick that, oh, no, I don't understand it. Like, even if you hadn't seen the first Top Gun, when they go fly the old plane, you get it. Like, it's Mm -hmm. funny because... He used to fly those. Mm-hmm. But if you hadn't seen the first one, you just get it because, oh, look, it's an old plane. It's an old plane. Yeah. 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 Well, all things considered, um, all three of these were really enjoyable. Um, I really did like Top Gun a lot. I'm going to make Damien watch it at some point uh, for sure. And but then um, you have to take him to the movies, though. I, I don't think he's going to go. It's tough to get him to the movies in just general. Just because of, like, 
because of the sound quality. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It was real immersive. That's what I mean. That's the only, like, there are a lot of times where I'm like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But, like, it was the sound, everything about it. It was just so great to see. It's like it was a movie that made me excited to be back in the movies. And it made me feel like I needed to see this on the big screen because it's not going to be the same as at home unless you know i'm a billionaire and i have an, a theater which i don't you saw that yeah, you have, have a pretty like cool a, theater it's I a pretty cool projector. theater I have projector with one small speaker yeah um, it works yeah. it works <laughs> all right so this is a long one for us so maybe we can push through the last three here questions to ponder um the first question i came up with it because uh we have watched a few interesting things lately that were a little bit kind of like out there you know it's not stuff i guess i would normally watch um but they were both crime slash mystery slash detective related um so we watched we own this city which was on hbo and based on the true events of the baltimore gun trace task force and the absolute corrosion of corruption in their police force like just the things that the cops did in, I mean, just like mind blowing levels of corruption to the point where the FBI got involved. Right. right. Um, and this was a, a true crime, true to life kind of thing done by the people who made the wire. You could and, tell because there's only so many shows made in Baltimore about Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and then we watched Shining Girls which was a serial killer detective mystery kind of genre thing that also involved some sci-fi elements, time travel and kind of multiverse kind of elements, um, very sort of science fiction-y in, in how it told its crime and mystery tale, and they couldn't have been more different from each other. Both of them had their pros, both of them had their cons, and I thought to myself, you know what? I like the true crime stuff better than this sci-fi mystery crime stuff because Shining Girls stepped on its own feet for me in a lot of different ways. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That's a lie because (laughs) there are plenty of other shows or movies and I came up with some really good ones that do the mystery sci-fi really well. So I wanted to put the question to you and to the audience. What do you think is better? True crime or sci-fi fantasy crime. So I was going to say, what are, what are, what some are my examples? examples? Okay. Yeah, what are, so, what are the examples? All right. So here's my examples. Dark. Oh. The Prestige. Gattaca. Oh, wow. We're going deep. Oh. Uh, and 12 Monkeys. Oh, wow. Okay. Those were my ones that I could think of. And then I thought of some that were like, maybe not quite as good, but still pretty good like minority report and i robot okay maybe even severance oh by the way al and chris watched severance and loved it everybody loves severance Mm -hmm. just saying you are listening and haven't watched severance just go do it right now and like al especially is someone very difficult to get to like anything so the fact that she was like binging multiple episodes says something. So um, I'm trying to think 
because in comparing like it, at the at the initial question, I enjoyed Shining Girls more than I enjoyed We Own This City. Interesting, because I was the opposite, I think. So and I say that because. For me, a lot of the the shows, the true crime shows that have been coming out, it's like, oh, police officers are corrupt. And it's like, mm-hmm, yeah, they are. And let me show you how. So it was kind of the, the so performance. So samey? Like, too? Yeah, I mean, it's like, tell me in a, a, a new story. And I know that this is based on a, a true story that we're seeing uh, consent decrees all the time with different police, um, you know, different police in cities and states. And it just felt like a broad brush of the police are bad and they'll do corrupt things and other people will cover their corruption because everyone is corrupt in some way, shape or form. And everyone is out to cover themselves. Now, I'm not saying that wasn't that it wasn't a good watch. The cast, um, I think we're going to see John Berthal nominated for some Emmys. For his performance, he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot remember her name. I know we said who her name was as a civil rights attorney. Oh, she was on yeah. Lovecraft Country. She yeah, yeah, did yeah. an amazing job. But with Shining Girls, I felt like it was something. It was different. I, yeah, I hadn't seen before. It was an interesting twist on. Serial killer. Give you that. I'll definitely give you that. On serial killer supernatural elements, but like we did talk about, I read the book and the book was very lean, so that's why I think I give the TV show so much more credit. Yeah, I got the impression you really didn't like the book that much. No, I didn't. If I had read the book before the TV show, I probably wouldn't have read. Like I probably wouldn't have watched. Oh, wow. Because, but to do it in the reverse, and that's rare. Yeah, that is rare. Um, to do it in the reverse, maybe that's why I had such an appreciation for Shining Girls. Mm-hmm. Because normally I'm the person that likes to watch um, true crime shows based on, you know, events that maybe I don't know about. I actually, thinking about it, I had recently watched... Um, under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield on it. It was a show on FX that dealt with uh, the murder of a woman and her child. And it turns out, I'm not going to ruin it. Um, I won't ruin it because it was good. <laughs> but it's an investigation. And Andrew Garfield plays uh, a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. So it's based on tenants of Mormonism. And you get like an idea of how the Mormon society functions. And I was like, oh, I didn't know enough about that. So not only am I learning about a murder, but I'm also learning about another society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- like, I tend to watch, so it's like weird because we're flipping. Yeah, we so, are flipping. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I will, I will watch most things that are on, um, you know, that deal with true stories. Like I watched the American crime story with, uh, that dealt with OJ and then it dealt with the murder of Johnny Versace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. 
Um, you know, there are some things that I'm like, I don't care to know more, but other things like this, tell me more about this murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for me, it's the opposite. I normally enjoy true crime on based on true events. And, you know, that's not to say that I don't appreciate uh, ones with sci-fi elements. Like, um, what was that show we watched? Travelers. Mm, that was a good one. Altered was Carbon the- was pretty good, too. Yeah. Second season more than the first, but yeah. Yeah, so it's like I do like them, but if you had me, like, choose which one I would only watch for the rest of my life, it would be true crime based on true crime. And I would go with the sci-fi, I think. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And since we were talking about Shining Girls, it kind of brings us into our next question, um, which you brought this up a little bit earlier, too, with the Scientology. Um, Do you ever boycott a show or a movie because of the actors that star in it? And your friend Sharon seems to suggest that by supporting the movie, you are thereby supporting the ideology or political stance or however you want to look at it. Um, of that, that the stars in that movie. Um, you could also make the argument that you can separate the um, actors from the shows that they're in and still enjoy, you know, um, things that say James Woods stars in, even though James Woods' political views are odious. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could, you, you could make the, the, the argument both ways. So the qu- second question I have is, do you think, how do you feel about boycotting shows or movies if you disagree personally with the, um, the person's real life human choices? And, and this is interesting because Elizabeth Moss, who's in Shining Girls, is another famous Scientologist. Yes, so it's the same argument that we had with Tom Cruise, right? Right, but she doesn't talk about it. Yeah, she's not, like, in your face jumping up down on chairs and stuff. Right, and, you know, she, and I I actually read an interview with her recently, and, you know, she's like, she's like, it's not, not everything about me is about Scientology. Like, so either, so it's like she's making a choice not to talk about it. I, you know, um... I don't really care for her as an actress, so I can't really, like, be like, oh. She's a bit wooden. Yeah. Like, everything I've seen her in, like, even with um, The Handmaid's Tale, yeah, there's just something. I I can't put my finger on it, but Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, not a fan. But if the story is strong enough and the cast is strong enough, I'll watch her. Um, I don't, like, I, I know a very minimal amount about Scientology, I, of course, disagree with a, a lot of its tenets because it sounds made up. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, yes, I does. mean, I'm, I'm sorry, like, to, to, we're going to lose some viewers. Most religions to me sound made up, but this is like taking it to like another level. This is like, oh, OK, and then there's this guy and there's Satan's. And it's like, oh, yeah, I bet people will believe that. It's just I don't know. Um but it hasn't, I I guess I should say, if something is good, I will, I can suspend my belief for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Scientology is horrible. They treat people like slaves if you're not one of the, you know, the upper levels of Scientology. There's, there's abuse, there's mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Does me taking a stand 
against it impact the fact that Top Gun's going to be one of the biggest movies of this year? Probably not. But see, that's the thing. If a lot of people did, it would, right? I mean, I, I guess. But here's the other thing, too. Like, I feel like there's also different lines in the sand. Like, for example, when I... I had a problem with, um, gosh, the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. Now, now I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, the one that had Gal Gadot in it, and then that horrible, horrible, horrible Murder man. on the Nile? Yes. Oh, something on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Death Ooh. on the Nile. Yeah. But there are certain, let's just say, crimes yeah. that are worse than others where I feel like, boycotting a movie or show because this person is like an abuser or misogynist not that not that scientology like i don't know like where's the line like maybe it's personal like i don't i don't know a lot about scientology either i know that there are documentaries that talk about the horrible things that happen in there and i'm not trying to say that one crime is better than the other or anything like that but like if I'm looking at this person and I'm like, wow, you're a horrible misogynist or or abuser, I might draw the line there. No, and I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I, I, and I'm thinking specifically of Woody Allen. Yeah, okay. And, and like Roman Polanski. Yep. They make amazing films. I went through a Woody Allen stage before I found out about all of the uh, the abuse um okay so then you find out about it does it change yeah i can't watch his new stuff see that's the thing it's like i feel like there is a line for people in the sand where you can be like okay i'll watch top gun because i don't think tom cruise has personally abused anyone in the church we don't know but i don't you know i've not i've no knowledge of him personally abusing anyone in the church I do know that this person personally abused people or women or whatever is that. And yeah, and here's here's the here's the other thing like, you know, I'm going to point this out for people. People can have weird religions and weird religious beliefs. You don't have to agree with them. Right. You don't have to if, if Tom Cruise was like you have to be a Scientologist to see my movies, I'd be like, "No, that's ridiculous." <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what I mean? But it's like he can do that he could make his choices as long as he's not requiring other people to agree with him. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Hmm. It's it's just weird. Cause like watching a movie that someone is in is not necessarily the same thing as consenting to agree with their lifestyle choices. But there is a part of me that feels really turned off by certain people. And I do feel like, if I go and pay for this movie or pay for whatever, I feel like I'm consenting to agree with their lifestyle choices, even if that's not the way it actually works. So I get I get squirrely, you know, like I don't and, want to, you know, without the with the exceptions of the weird cannibals and whatnot, people who work and act for a living, they're not like us at all. Oh, gosh, no. All of their lifestyles are weird and strange to us. They could not live like we could. They would not know how to pump gas or go to a store or interact with other people. So it's like they're all weird lifestyles. But that doesn't excuse abuse. 
No, no. That, and that's what I mean. Like, so when you're talking about whether it's it's abuse of, of children or, you know, uh, obviously, you know, abuse of, of women, anything like that. Like, I feel horrible that I used to like Harvey Weinstein's film, like the films that they would produce. Because if you mm-hmm. used to watch it, you, if you watched a Miramax movie, you knew you were getting a good movie because they were so particular about mm-hmm. what they produced. And it's hard to know that what was going on on such a massive scale and everyone was looking the other way. It's like, oh, I, you know, I like a lot of the uh, early Quentin Tarantino movies were produced by Miramax. Mm-hmm. And you're like, like knowing what you know now about what happened with like Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's hard to enjoy. It, it's definitely hard to enjoy films where you know that someone was being hurt or had to, you know, endured violence mm-hmm. to get that role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough question, you know. Um, ultimately, I feel like I will end up, you know, boycotting certain things, certain people, you know, based on those those things that I know. And I think that's okay to do that, even if you ultimately don't make any kind of impact in the ultimate, you know, monetary bottom line of it. Maybe you can sleep a little better at night knowing that you did. But at the same time, if you're kind of like, no, I want to see this thing. I don't agree with what this person did. And I don't like that people got hurt. But I can separate the people from the entertainment in my mind. If that's the way you want to look at it, then I understand that. Personally, I don't know that I can do it for everything. You know, no, what I mean? and like I can't watch the Cosby show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, so there's like certain lines and I know we're going into like sort of like cancel culture and Mm -hmm. where's where do we draw the lines. But I guess, you know, as we've been talking about it, I guess, you know, abusers, I just can't I I can't like cross that. It's like mine. I don't know where we draw the lines, but I know the lines are there. Kind of that. You know what I mean? Right. And this kind of, you know, it leads us a little bit into our third topic. We're doing some serious stuff today. Um, because you brought this up about diversity getting downvoted, if you will. Yes. And we we didn't really talk a lot about the, this with the third sister when we did Obi-Wan. But, man, did she get crucified just for being a, a black woman in a Star Wars show. And exactly. And this isn't like an isolated event. No. Either yeah. for the Star Wars fandom. And I just. Why? Why? I don't understand. Like people can suspend their belief and be like, oh, we have spaceships that can fly or that there are Wookiees, but you can't have a black woman. I will woman. kill you with my light up stick. Yeah. exactly. So, I mean, it, but it a black with, woman. Oh, no, no forget it. <laughs> no. Like, so John Boyega, when he was cast as Finn experiences, you had Kelly Tran in Rogue One who experienced this. And you're having it now with Miss Marvel. Like, yes. The- now, Miss Marvel is the highest rated Marvel series on Disney Plus with the lowest viewership. Yes. It's and crazy. yeah, it, it, it I guess I know we, we've a lot of things have happened in the country since we recorded last and without, you know, getting into it. I guess I'm just sick of the vocal minority ruining things. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, and I felt this too with like, sometimes it's just, it's just difficult when 
you feel like the stuff that you're trying to tune out in everyday mm-hmm. life, the real hurtful, painful stuff that just makes it hard to go on is infecting even the smallest joys of your entertainment. Like, yes, this is supposed to be fun. This Mm -hmm. is supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be a diversion. But for whatever reason, it's a fight constantly. Yeah, it's a constant like, guess what? If you don't want to see a black woman on a television show, don't watch it. Don't go out there and destroy her and rip her apart and call her names. And this is, you know, this this has happened before with other, you know, people on Twitter and social media. It gets mm-hmm. to the point where they have to shut it down. Right. Because they can't handle that abuse. And I've never, I don't know, I just can't imagine doing that. either. There has to be something very wrong with you that you get your kicks out of tearing other people down. Especially people who are just historically already down, mm-hmm. you know, women and minorities and minority women, especially like just, you know, it's not like we've got a lot of minority women, rich CEO and and presidents and world leaders. And, you know, th- these are not your people who are up there on top of the pillars already. Like when they climb, we should celebrate them. Mm-hmm. not tell them to get back down in the dirt where they belong. You know, that's not how this works. Like, just let them go. Let them go. <laughs> and and if and like, be happy for them. But if you can't be happy for them, at the very least, don't make other people feel bad and don't make them feel bad about their success. You know, it's just... I know, because can you imagine how hard... Number one, it's hard to be an actor. Yep. It's uh, There's a minuscule chance of you becoming famous and then you get cast on a star wars show where you're essentially like after obi-wan and little leia you're the third person basically that's going to receive the most screen time right and to just be torn down by internet trolls who don't like you because you look a certain way it's just disgusting it is and it's just you know why do you have to take away people's joy Right. What you know, and and it's also important. And I, I know we've said this before when we've talked about, um, you know, Encanto and turning red. Mm-hmm. Representation matters. Little kids need to see people that look like them mm-hmm. in television, in movies. And guess what? Not everyone's white. Yep. Surprise. Like, yep. so that's what I mean. Like, if you can't enjoy it. Don't take away other people's joy. Yeah. And I thought she did a great job. I'm excited yeah. to see what she does next. I agree. I This was like the first real big thing I think she's been in. I didn't mm-hmm. recognize her from anything else. And I thought she did a good job, too. And she, she was, was chilling. She was chilling as yeah. the third sister. Yeah, yeah. She was appropriately. Yeah. Appropriately. Yeah. I mean, we had issues with her character development, but she oh, right, but did. That's not her fault. Yeah, she yeah, did really her. well. She, with what like, she, she gave it, yeah, she yeah. gave it her all. Mm-hmm. So, and those scenes where they were carrying out Order sixty six, or those were just cr- cr- crazy, scary. <laughs> they yeah. were, they were bad. Um, they were yeah. bad in a good way, but they were bad. Um, and you know, her motivation came out of that, so you could kind of see exactly why she acted how she acted, and she did it fine. She did it great. Good for her. I can't wait to see what she does next. She sure. has a she has a fan in me, so for sure. I'll, I'll follow her. For sure. Um. So we finally made it 
So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've got some amazing things coming up on the horizon. I know we've got some vacations coming up, but we definitely are going to handle the boys season three and um, probably Stranger Things season four as soon as I can work my way through the 12 episodes that are 14 hours each or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. No, I mean, it is like it's I think I read that it's like 13 and a half hours worth of television. (laughs) It's a commitment. Yeah, it's a marriage is what it is. Yeah. Um, so so we'll get there, and uh, and we've got a few other things. Uh, I definitely want to talk about the phenomenon that is RRR. I highly suggest you get in on that, Ooh. Alin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say R.L. Stein. I'm like, no. I know, he's amazing. No. Um, no. Yeah. I feel like I have to Google. Yeah, yeah, no, you should definitely. I don't. I was like to say, don't hold, don't hold it up, because I know people are like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we will, uh, we will, we will, we'll be back as soon as we can with all of these wonderful things. And as always, um, thank you for listening. And remember to find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook. Are we on all three? Did you shut one of them down? I I shut Twitter down, but I will bring it back now that Elon Musk is not buying twitter hey speaking of boycotts right um so we are on facebook instagram and soon to be back on twitter search for three speech and look for the bears and have a wonderful summer have some great vacations everyone and we will hear from you very soon